Cloud Speaker Studios. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Menares, and you're listening to the We Podcast, where together we find inspiration, encouragement, and growth through stories and real talk. Here, we navigate the messy human experience together. We raise our voices and speak our truth. In this space, we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected, we are capable of growth, and that we are not alone. Are you ready? Let's get real. Today we have Mary Brown as our guest and Mary is known as the boundaries coach and she specializes in helping women overcome people pleasing and learning healthy boundaries. She has a professional background in social work and has helped thousands of families through challenges such as mental illness, addiction, abuse and neglect. And in doing all this work, she noticed the impact these issues have on women, especially when someone they love is struggling. Having grown up in a big family without boundaries, which I can completely relate to, she found out that she could relate to these women because of her own journey of overcoming people pleasing. So she became a coach so that she could help women build confidence, set healthy boundaries, and practice meaningful self-care. Mary teaches boundaries centered in compassion, and her superpower is coaching others how to have hard conversations from a place of love, which we all know is challenging. So I'm very excited to be able to talk with you today, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. So why don't we just start out a bit with your kind of background? How did you become a boundaries coach? I know you were a mental health professional previously, and so I'll let you tell that. My background was social work. So I was a social worker, a social work manager in my community for about 15 years and kind of moved up and up that social work ladder. And what I noticed was, especially in the field of child protection, there was a lot of burnout. There was a lot of caseworkers with really good intentions who were trying their best and takes about two years to learn how to do that job proficiently. And most of the caseworkers were not lasting that long that the average length of time for a caseworker at that time was about 14 months. And so we had people who were not fully trained, making really difficult decisions in really stressful environments. And so there was this need for teaching them how to have self-care and how to have boundaries and how to have hard conversations and how to build their confidence really from the perspective of resiliency for them. And so I helped create a coaching program for the social workers to give them that confidence and self-care. And then I reflected upon that and thought, wait a minute, 
I just gave away the good parts of my job. I wanted to be the coach and now I had to be the administrator and that wasn't as fun. And that was my first clue that maybe, maybe boundaries coaching was a better fit for me than managing caseworkers. I'm sure caseworkers need this so much. And I think we all do. And so it's a beautiful thing that you were able to broaden and allow all people to get this knowledge and learning and, and support in this area. And so I would love to dive into kind of what are boundaries? I think boundaries is a buzzword. I feel like it's something that is I don't know how you feel about this, but something that's more recent Mm -hmm. that people are really talking about, you can tell me what you think about that. (laughs) Yes. I hear the word boundaries often and it's becoming more popular idea and it's becoming more popular in our language. And I do think that will continue. I think boundaries will continue to be a popular topic. And so the formal definition of boundaries is deciding what you will and will not participate in, right? And my favorite definition is by Brene Brown, and she says boundaries are simply what's okay for me and what's not okay for me. And I like that one just because it's just easier to think about sometimes. But oftentimes when we think about like the limits and the guidelines that we set for ourselves that determine what we will and will not participate in that formal definition. One of the things that when I tell people that, like the limits and guidelines you set for yourselves, people are like, oh, I thought it was what other people have to do or not do. So that's a misconception out there is that like we set boundaries on other people or for other people. And the reality is, is that boundaries are really the guidelines that we set for ourselves right? So it's how I protect and respect myself, how I decide what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do and how we navigate the world so that we are in alignment with our values and so that we feel comfortable and that we're showing up in ways that feel good to us. And this is something I've recently learned the differentiation between the two. So like, let's say you're, you're in a relationship that's maybe not very healthy and you're having to say to the other person, this is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And you're setting then a rule or a requirement. That's a rule or a requirement for the relationship, right? That's not a boundary. Mm-hmm. Can you tease that apart? Yeah, it's a little tricky. So like, let's use the example of like communication in a relationship. So I have a boundary that name calling is not okay for me. And personally, I'm okay with pretty much whatever language, as long as it's not hurtful or hateful, right? And I believe that name calling is hurtful and hateful. So it's not okay for me to be in a relationship that includes name calling. It's not okay for me to be in a conversation that includes name calling. It's not okay for me to call people names or to say hurtful, hateful language against a person or a group of people. So that's my boundary for myself. So I'm not going to engage in a relationship where name calling is a pattern of that relationship. I'm not going to engage in a conversation that takes a direction that feels like it's being hurtful or hateful to me or to someone I love or to a group of people, 
right? So my boundary is it's not okay for me to be part of this conversation or it's not okay for me to be part of this relationship. It doesn't mean that you, like when I first started learning boundaries, right? When I, I grew up as a people pleaser, I didn't have any boundaries for most of my life. And then when I started to try to learn what was okay for me and what wasn't okay for me, like most of us, we don't have the communication tools to be able to navigate that. And so initially my boundary sounded like, you can't say that anymore. You know, like just like a defiant teenager, kind of like Mm -hmm. no more saying this or that kind of thing. And which is normal. That's like a normal like way to progress when we don't have the tools to communicate. But the reality is, is boundaries are not a way for us to control other people. They're not a way for us to manipulate people. They're not a way for us to punish people. Like we're not parenting adults in our lives, right? So the way that I would change that is to say, hey, name calling is not okay for me. I'm not willing to participate in this conversation anymore. I may not be willing to participate in this relationship if this is what the relationship entails. So let's have a conversation about what I am willing to do. And we make requests, right? After we state the boundary, the next step is to make a request. So I'm requesting that you not use this type of communication with me. I'm requesting that we create a relationship that's going to work for both of us. Or I'm requesting that you don't use this word or this phrase, right? And we make a request. And then the hard part is the actual boundary is falling through. Like if you call me this name again, then I will, whatever I decide I'm going to do to protect and respect myself. So that might be, I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to take some space for you for, for a little while, all the way to you know, I might have to reevaluate our relationship. And sometimes there's a misconception that like we have to end relationships. Like somebody crosses a boundary, okay, they're a toxic person and I can't be in a relationship with you. And that's not really true. If you have the skill of deciding your boundaries, communicating your boundaries with compassion and following through, then you really can stay in in a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person. It is possible that your boundaries can enable you to be able to have a relationship that you're not enabling someone else, that you really are taking care of yourself. Mm, That's huge. I do feel like the culture in general right now is, oh, you pissed me off. You're not doing what I think you should be doing. So therefore, I'm just going to ghost you. Mm -hmm not even tell you why I'm not talking to you <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and move on. Right. Like that's the, the mentality in so many ways. And I can't stand ghosting. It really frustrates me because in my opinion, it's avoidance, it's pure and total avoidance. And then it doesn't give the other person an opportunity to make changes so that they can be in a healthy relationship with you, right? Yeah. My perspective on ghosting is that it is avoidance. I agree with you that it's avoidance, but I think that it's a, I mean, I like to give people the most generous assumptions, right? And that's what makes me compassionate is having generous assumptions about people. And I believe that ghosting is an inability to communicate. So if we notice that we're ghosting people or we have the urge not to respond to people, I would just try to be curious about that. Like what is going on for me that feels like I can't communicate in a healthy way? 
mm-hmm. with this person right now that I you know, want to avoid this conversation, what's happening here. And if it's a boundary that's been crossed, right? Have I communicated that that was the boundary? Have I explained in a healthy way, like what my experience was when this thing happened that was not okay for me? And have I made a request of this person to do something differently? And do I care about this person enough to be able to have this conversation? A lot of times, we have boundaries that we don't communicate to people. Like I don't walk around in the world and say things to people like, okay, so if you punch me in the face, I'm going to leave, get myself to a safe space and call the police (laughs) because that is a boundary of mine. Like if, if I were to walk up to you, Sarah, and you hit me, I would leave and call the police. But I don't tell people this because I don't usually have to. And so oftentimes it's not until our boundaries have been crossed and there's some kind of discomfort, Mm -hmm. some kind of disrespectful feeling or resentment feeling or anger feeling, hurt feeling that lets us know that we need to have a boundary conversation. And do you feel like conflict avoidance plays into that? Like people who have more of a tolerance for conflict versus people who don't like conflict and kind of avoid the conflict. They seem to be factors that may play into the ability to have that conversation. So conflict avoidance, I believe, is it could go along with some people pleasing, right? So like I would just wonder like what is the reason why we're avoiding conflict? Are we avoiding conflict because we don't want someone else to be upset? Are we avoiding conflict because we don't have the tools to be able to communicate how we're thinking and feeling in a way that's going to feel good to us, in a way that's going to be solution focused? Are we avoiding conflict because we don't value ourselves and have the confidence to stand up for ourselves? Mm -hmm. Like, are we avoiding conflict because conflict was unsafe for us in other situations? So there's a variety of reasons. And I would just kind of take a look at that. Like, what is what is the reason why I'm avoiding conflict? Are we avoiding conflict because it's just easier for us not to have the conversation? And if it's not a problem for you, then okay. Like if you're like, you know, I just prefer not to have difficult conversations because I'm able to manage my feelings in my life without those conversations and it's not really impacting me, then okay, keep doing that. But if you're avoiding conflict and you're feeling resentment about it, or you're avoiding conflict and it's not serving you, right? You're cutting people out of your life or you're in relationships with people where you feel like you're not honoring your own values, then that might let you know that you need to make a change. It's hard. It is hard to actually have the conversation. I think that's the uncomfortable thing to do, to be able to get to a place where you can honor yourself and honor the other person with those conversations. I think it's such a powerful place to be. Yes. And, and that's part of my message is that it is possible. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes we think that we have to choose, like I need to either do what's best for you or I need to do what's best for me. And that's not true. It is a hundred percent possible that I can love you and I can love me at the same time when I have the skills to set and uphold my boundaries. You know, something that you said that's really 
goes against the grain of what I think a lot of the messaging out there is right now is that you can be in a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person. Yes. Yes. So when I was a social worker, we would have these, what they call family meetings. And so we would bring in the identified clients and we would encourage them to bring their families, their supports and help kind of monitor their treatment plans and try to set them up for success as much as possible. So we would, you know, serve people who had things like mental illness or addictions and violence and we'd bring them in and we would encourage them to to bring people with them that could help them to make the changes that they needed to make on their treatment plans. And I noticed that there was a lot of support and service for the person who was the identified client. But there was always someone standing by, and it was usually a woman who was like a mom or a sister or neighbor or friend or a partner, girlfriend, a spouse, who she really needed confidence and she really needed boundaries so that she could continue to have that person in her life and that there wasn't services really available for her. And so someone who loves someone who's struggling boundaries are the solution for them. So if I am a woman who is, let's say, for example, married to someone who has a pornography problem, or maybe I am a woman who has a sister who's mentally ill or grew up in a family system where we weren't really modeled how to have boundaries or self-care, then I need to be able to have the confidence to say what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. And I need to be able to have the language to communicate that in a healthy way so that it feels good to me. And I need to be able to know, have the skills to follow through and really practice self-care. And so people think again, that black and white, like we have to either continue the way it's been going and I just enable another person or I just cut them out. Like I determine that they're toxic and I can't you know, I just cut them off. And that's not really true. Like there's a lot of ways that you can maintain healthy relationships, even with people who are struggling. I want to dive into that a little bit more because I like picture the people listening to this and being like, okay, well, how, how do you do that? (laughs) So let's take an example of a a sibling, maybe who has an addiction. My brother had a meth addiction. So I, I know full well how that goes. I've Um, also had brothers with addiction. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you set a boundary in a situation like that when the other person is continuing the behavior? So the first thing you do is work that you do on your own is you decide your boundaries, not in front of the person. Like when you are thinking out of your frontal cortex, when you are calm, when you are safe, when you're on your own or with a coach or a trusted friend, you decide. And I do that by like, just draw a T-chart, one line down the middle of the page, one line at the top of your page and a chart of what I am willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. Some other language that you could use is what's okay for me, what it's not okay for me or what I'm willing, what I'll participate in, what I won't participate in. So when you are safe and comfortable and on your own or with the support of someone you trust, 
make those decisions about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And then once you have a clear understanding of what your boundaries are, so first step is decide your boundaries. Second step is communicate your boundaries, right? Then you decide how and when you're going to speak up, how you're going to have a conversation. If it's a person who struggles with addiction, it needs to be when they are sober. You don't wait until someone's drunk or high or stoned or whatever to have that conversation. Like when they are most clear and be really clear about like your intention. Like, I want to talk to you about this because I care about you and I care about me and I'd like to be able to stay in a relationship with you. And so these are some things that I've decided I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do so that I can stay in a relationship with you. Like I'm not willing to, all the things you're not willing to do, right? Like I'm not willing to be around you when you are intoxicated. I'm not willing to have my children with you when you're intoxicated. I'm not willing to provide finances to support this habit. I am willing to be with you when you are sober. I am willing to have my children around you in my presence. I am willing so that I can maintain their safety or I am willing to encourage your therapy in this way or participate in family therapy if you ask me to. I am willing to whatever, all the other things you are willing to do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just be really clear and have that conversation with them. Now, the third step, and these are three tried and true steps. First, you decide. Second, you communicate. Third is you follow through, mm-hmm. right? So you have to have, and that's where most of us fall flat. You have to have a clear understanding of if you show up to my house and you're drunk again, I will not answer the door or I will ask you to leave or I will leave or I may not invite you back or I may whatever it is not include you in the family holidays or whatever it is that I'm willing to do, what I can do and what I am willing to do to protect and respect myself. And I love you so much. And I hope that you choose to get better in this area. And I'm going to love you whatever you decide. And thank you for understanding that this is how I can love me and you at the same time. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Let's be honest, these days I don't have a lot of time to sit around and read, even though I absolutely love reading and know the immense value that we get from books and learning something new. So when I do pick up a book and sit down and read it, I tend to fall asleep. (laughs) So I really love Audible and I would say the last few years I have done all of my reading through Audible because I can listen to it when I'm doing the mundane things like driving or the laundry or cleaning the house. And so I love that I get to kill two birds with one stone and do the things that I have to do, but also enjoy them much more because I can be learning as I go, which is a beautiful thing. So Audible offers a free 30-day trial and you get one free book that you get to keep even after your trial is over. 
and it's only $14.95 a month after that with no contract. We love the no contract. You can cancel at any time. And there's just so much amazing content to choose from. They have podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, uh, so many audible originals. And I am currently learning to speak European Portuguese through Audible, which has been amazing. So why not be growing while we're driving and doing the things that are not super fun in our everyday lives? So this episode is all about boundaries and healthy relationships. And there are so many books and content that you can find over on Audible that has to do with boundaries so you can continue your learning outside of this podcast. So titles like Set Boundaries, Find Peace. There's also the Better Boundaries Workbook. Lots of amazing titles to dive into. So go and check it out. Get signed up. You visit audibletrial.com slash wepodcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash wepodcast. All right, now let's get back to the conversation. put some context to those steps for sure. So the follow through is the hardest part, mm-hmm. I'm sure for people to say, well, and I love how you just gave some more options. I think so often people get stuck on, well, if you show up at my house drunk, I'm never going to talk to you again, right? Like mm-hmm. our relationship is over. It's just, that's it. <laughs> but you just gave a lot of really great options of other things you can do to keep yourself safe and to love yourself in that situation without a complete cutoff. Absolutely. There is a wide range of options and obviously you get to decide. I mean, that's the good news about boundaries is you get to decide what's right for you and what's not right for you. And yes, you can decide like, okay, so at this point, what I'm willing to do is to speak up and say, hey, I think you're drunk or whatever. I'm just using this as an example. Obviously, I think you're drunk right now and I'm going to ask you to leave. Mm -hmm. Or I think you're high right now. And my boundary is I don't have people who are high in my house. And so I'm not going to answer the door. Or I'm not safe around people who have unpredictable behaviors. So if your behavior is unpredictable, then I'm going to remove myself and take myself to a safe space, right? Do you feel like it gets trickier in a marriage or partnership than maybe with other friendships or sibling relationships or somebody you're not living with full time? Yes. So definitely the answer is it's still possible. It's the good news, but yes, I think it does. So there's a direct correlation between the like emotional connection and the length of relationship and how difficult it feels to people. The skill set is the same, but there's definitely a, a direct correlation there, right? And so I think about if our relationship is like, you know, kind of we've been dancing together, right? So let's say that like, you and I've been dancing together and we've been swing dancing and we've been swing dancing for 10 years, right? And you've been my dance partner for 10 years and we swing dance together. And then I start learning the skill of 
boundary setting and I maybe haven't had it before. I've tried a few different things, but I haven't really gotten the steps down and I haven't really gotten to where I feel like I'm in a rhythm and I'm comfortable. And then one day I, I, I show up and, I, and I'm waltzing. Then you're going to be like, what, what, well, what's going on here? Like, I thought we knew what we were doing here, right? So it's like a whole different dance with the same partner. Mm. It's a learned skill. Boundaries are a learned skill, which is good news because that means anybody can learn it. But the tricky part is it does take practice. And so I usually tell people, like, give yourself three to five times. Give yourself that grace. Like I might have to have the same conversation three to five times before the other person learns like, oh, she really is dancing differently. And so I need to figure out like how we can continue to dance together. Mm -hmm. So I usually tell people it's going to feel uncomfortable three to five times. You're going to have to say it three to five times. You're going to have to follow through three to five times, but you can do it. You just need to be willing to practice. Yeah. Changing all the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I would love to know and talk a bit more about the people pleasing piece and how that fits in. I don't know. I used to say I was a recovering people pleaser, but then I decided I don't like that term because I think I'll always be a people pleaser. And hmm. there's a part of like, accepting that about myself, that this is who I am. And I can change that at the same time, but it's something that's going to continue to bubble up for me over and over and over again. I can respond to it differently than I used to, but I don't know that you ever like totally take the people pleaser (laughs) out of someone altogether. I don't know. Right. So my thoughts about people pleasing is that Like I still want people in my life to be happy. The people that I'm in relationships with, I like to see them enjoying their lives, right? I like positivity. I like all that energy. Like it's fun for me to celebrate other people's successes. It's fun for me to, like I want the positive feedback. I want my family members to learn and grow and have a good time while they're doing it. I I love to see my clients' successes and celebrate that with them. I think it's okay to want other people to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. As long as we are still doing it from a place of love. So oftentimes people will say like, I teach people how to say no and feel good about it, right? And they think like, okay, so I'm going to say no to everybody all the time. Well, that's not going to feel good either, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you can say yes and you can help people ease their burdens, you know, support them in some way, and you can do it from a place of love, then keep doing it. Of course. Like I want to say yes. And I want to help people when I love someone and I want to see them grow or I, you know, maybe I love myself and this is going to help my growth journey somewhere along the way, or, you know, any of those things. I feel like if your reasons for it are from a place of love, then yeah, that's great. Like keep doing it. But when people pleasing becomes resentful, mm-hmm. when people pleasing is denying my own thoughts and feelings, then that's when it doesn't serve me. And when I was a people pleaser, so I grew up in this big, huge family, we had 
five boys and four girls and two parents and no boundaries. And I learned really early on how to anticipate others' needs, how to make them feel better, how to put their needs before mine, how to take care of other people. And I was really, really good at it. Like really, I was like the boss at taking care of other people. And what ended up happening to me and what happens to some of us is I started feeling resentment for people, even good people, even people I loved. I had resentment for my husband because I was trying so hard to make him happy and because I was putting his needs before my own and I thought it was my job to take care of him, right? I started feeling resentment for the people on the team that I was managing and for people in my family that I wanted to be happy. And I was no longer serving from a place of love. And that's why I had the resentment. And so once I understood that like, yeah, of course I want other people to be happy. Of course I want all the good things for all the people I care about. But if I'm doing this from a place of resentment, if I'm not doing it from a place of love, then it's not really being open to myself. It's not really being integratable. It's not really being authentic. There's a woman called Brooke Castillo and she says, she's the owner and founder of the Life Coach School. And she says, people pleasers are liars, Mm. which is kind of Mm -hmm. profound (laughs) and a whole different idea over there. But that's what she says. And so she does say it in a provocative way. But like if, if I get a phone call and someone says, hey, Mary, do you want to come to dinner tonight? And I really don't want to go. And I say yes. Mm hmm. Did I tell the truth or was that a lie? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So what would you say to the people who are wondering how you, like, if you really don't want to go, what do you do then? Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, do you want to role model it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I do this with my clients. It's so fun. Like, mm-hmm. I will ask them things that, you know, I know they don't want to do, right? Or... I'll invite them to ask me things that I don't want to do. And again, it's that three to five times you got to practice it, right? Mm -hmm. So go ahead, ask me something and I'll tell you, I'll tell you no. Mary, would you like to go to lunch this week? Thanks so much for inviting me. I would love to go to lunch with you. I'm not available this week. How about I follow back up with you when I have more time in my schedule? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. So it was a no, but it's not a no, no, I don't want to. Yeah. But you could ask me something and I would just say, no, do you want to just give you a hard no? So that is what we call a boundary sandwich, right? So we express, we start with love. We clearly articulate our boundary and then we end with love and you value the person or the relationship. You say no to the request and then you value the person or the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. Yes. So you want to ask me something else and I'll just say no, not, not later. Like people say, should I say not right now? Well, if you really don't want to do it right now, mm-hmm. but you would want them to ask you again, then sure. But if you really don't want to ask them, you don't want them to come back and ask you again, then just say no. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I actually would like to go to lunch with you, Sarah. So that's why I was like, oh, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to go to lunch with you too. <laughs> <laughs> but you can 
try something else if you'd like me (laughs) (laughs) to show you what that would sound like. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I know what, what can I think of that Mary really wouldn't want to (laughs) do? What would I really not want to do? I know. Mary, can we go to lunch and I'll call you names at lunch? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Yeah, I would love to go to lunch. Unfortunately, I don't eat lunch when people are calling names. And so if that were to happen, then I would have to leave or I would choose to not come to lunch with you next time. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that we can stay friends and not have lunch dates with name calling. There we go. (laughs) I would never do that, but... I know that's your boundary. You said it earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I think I li- I do like the the role playing and the how does that actually sound? Because so often I think people hear, well, just set your boundary, just say no. And not having any context for that, or how would it even sound to say no? Or how would it even what would that even look like? I think it's really helpful to give people that clarity. Yeah. So my favorite, my very favorite sentence is I love you and no. When I was a little kid, they used to have this, like it was called dare. And it was like to keep kids off mm-hmm. drugs, like a mm-hmm. anti-drug campaign for children. Mm-hmm. And it, they would say, just say no. And you may have heard before people say like, no is a complete sentence. And that's true. Like you can just say no or no is a complete sentence. But for most of us, it doesn't feel great just to say no, just Mm -hmm. the word as a sentence. And so I offer this communication tool, like you've got the one word communication, which is just no. And then the one sentence communication is, I love you and no. And I use that sentence every day and it works really, really well. And the tool of the sentence is really more about expressing love for the person and saying no to the request. And so I love you and no can take lots of different forms, right? It can say, it could sound like, I really appreciate our friendship and I'm not able to do this. Or it could sound something like, you know, I respect our working relationship and I can't commit to this right now. But it's putting an appreciation or some love for the person and saying no to the request all in one sentence, mm-hmm. right? And it's important that it's and, not but, because we don't want to negate the first half of the sentence. But it works really well as kind of a go-to sentence when you want to be able to maintain a relationship and say no to a request at the same time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I really grew up in an environment that was very codependent. So mm-hmm. I still struggle with undoing that codependency and, Mm -hmm. you know, lack of boundaries, people pleasing. I feel like they can all be so intertwined with each other. Something that took me a long time to learn and understand is that love and a boundary, they can coexist. I can love you and set a boundary because the way I was, what was ingrained in me is if you love me, you will do whatever I want you to do. And you will mold yourself to be who I want you to be. And so to be able to say, oh, that's not true, right? Yeah. And when when we have codependency, it's like my needs are someone else's responsibility. 
like somehow I'm responsible for this person's needs or this person is responsible for my needs, right? And mm-hmm. so the way that we use boundaries to combat codependency is by taking responsibility for my own needs and not taking responsibility for someone else's needs, mm-hmm. right? So like I am comfortable and confident that I can be responsible for my own needs, right? I can feed myself. I can love myself. I can manage my own time. I can choose who I want to be in relationships with, right? And so can you. And so the boundary of who's responsible for whose needs really helps us tease apart those codependent relationships. I love talking about boundaries. It's my favorite. (laughs) It's so good and so needed. I mean, I, I think it's so empowering to be able to have those boundaries and to know even have clarity around what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. And Mm -hmm. I can be empowered to stand up for that too. It's amazing. So I would love to know, Mm -hmm. what do you feel Mary has been the most vital to your growth? Mm, Like the foundation of boundary work is really understanding that I was born valuable. And so are you, that when we come to earth, we are inherently valuable. Mm -hmm. When I had my first son, I remember thinking like, how did he come to this world so precious? Like, I just thought he was so precious and so valuable. And if you've ever been around a new baby, you may remember that feeling of like, oh my goodness, this child just came to earth so valuable. And when I had him, like those first few days in the hospital, I remember thinking like, oh, wait a minute. If he was born valuable, then what about everybody else? Do we all come to earth with this kind of value? And what about me? Did I come to earth with this kind of value? And of course, the answer is yes, that I was born valuable and every person is equally valuable and comes to earth with value. And so when we understand our inherent self-worth, then we can make those decisions about what we're willing to participate in and what we're not willing to participate in and do it from that place of self-worth. What do you want to make sure people know walking away from this episode? I want people to know that they are born valuable. I also want people to know that boundaries is a learned skill. And wherever you're at on your journey to learning boundaries is okay, that it is something that is possible for you. You can decide what's okay for you and what's not okay for you. And you can learn how to communicate it from a place of love so that it feels good for you. And you can learn how to follow through and have real self-care that it's possible to learn. It's never too late. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So I know you have a boundaries quiz on your website. We want all the listeners to go and take that quiz, but tell us a little bit about that. And and I know that you offer some different coaching programs. So my website is boundariescoach.com and I do have a boundaries IQ quiz. So if you're curious about where you're at on your journey to learning boundaries, I encourage you to take that quiz. It's just 10 simple questions and it's really fun. It'll give you some really insightful results about where you're at. And that's usually the first step is just to take that. 
I have a new offering, which is Boundaries 101. And it is a series of three video teachings where I'm teaching you how to decide your boundaries, how to communicate your boundaries, how to follow through with your boundaries. It comes with a like a downloadable and workbook to kind of guide you along. And it also includes a one-on-one call with me. And so after you've kind of tried that workbook and learned through videos, then you schedule a call with me and I'm available to help you figure out like where you're at and what your next step is, or if there's a worksheet that you want me to guide you through or if there's a conversation you want me to coach you to have, if you want to create a plan for self-care, like I'm available for that. And we use those coaching calls to do that. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you yeah. have social media. I do. Mm-hmm. Boundaries underscore coach on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm also on LinkedIn, you know, all the places. All the places. All, all right. the places. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for me, you can find me. Just Google boundaries coach and I'll come up. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and for all of this really valuable information. I really appreciate you. Mm, Thank you. I appreciate you too. Thanks for letting me talk about boundaries. I, it's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, we are better for it. So thanks. I hope so. Thank you for listening to the WE podcast. I'm grateful for you showing up with us in this space. If you'd like to connect, please look for links to our social media and ways to get in touch in the show notes. This show is produced by Loudspeaker Public Media. You should also know that Loudspeaker is completely listener supported and that you can become a member at loudspeaker.org. You can find more of the WE podcast as well as so much more awesome programming on the network. And again, that's at loudspeaker.org. Also, giving credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. If you heard something that resonated with you and you know it would be helpful for others, please don't forget to share with your friends. You can also read more of our blog focused on all things personal growth at theweespot.com. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, show up for the hard conversations, choose growth, and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.